welcome to the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. I'm Mark Simon. On today's episode, we have two really cool interviews. Cleveland Guardians rookie outfielder Stephen Kwan stopped by to talk outfield defense. I think what he had to say about the experiences of playing the outfield in Coors and in Cleveland, Boston, and Baltimore was very interesting. Then we're joined by Dr. Justine Siegel. Justine is the founder of Baseball for All, a national girls baseball organization. She was also the baseball coordinator on the first season of A League of Their Own, the TV show, which debuts on Amazon this week. I was really curious about how you train actresses to be baseball players. She answered that, talked about her group, and much more. And then our vice president of baseball, Bobby Scales, joined us to talk about the topics that came up in those interviews in greater depth. Let's get to it. Stephen Kwan is a standout rookie outfielder for the Cleveland Guardians. He got off to an incredible start at the plate, and he's been very good in the field, too, particularly in left, where he's the runaway leader in defensive runs saved. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So the first thing we always ask players when they come on with us is for uh, what is your defensive origin story? Where did you first learn it? Yeah, I think uh, just kind of out in front of the house, my dad would hit some fly balls to me, and that was just kind of our way of bonding. Um Always just kind of loved playing baseball with him. Um, and he always made sure to remind me that defense never slumps. So just kind of having that all together, I think, was really important. Can you remember going back to whether it's Little League or high school or Legion or, or whatever you played, um, like the first really great play that you made? Yeah, actually, it was a nine-year-old travel ball. We were uh, we were a nine-years-old team playing in the 10U bracket. So we were playing up, and we were in the consolation game. We, we hadn't won a game the whole time, and it was like – five, four, bottom of the sixth. Um, and I caught a fly ball and threw a guy at home and we won the game. We all celebrated. And it was funny because we we're like, we didn't get last place. We did it. So that was kind of fun to celebrate. Can you picture the play in your head a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> just a shallow fly ball. I think the guy kind of had to tag up and then just, I think five popped at the home plate, but it ended up getting there. <laughs> kind of foreshadowing uh, for what would happen uh, later in your career. Now, before we get to the major leagues, you won a national championship uh, at Oregon State. There were three other guys on that team that are in the majors, including Adley Rutschman. I know that defense played a role in that national championship in terms of a play that the other team didn't make. But mm-hmm. in terms of for Oregon State, is there a memorable play? Can you get into how defense played a role for that team? Yeah, I think I think I guess going kind of to, to Adley, I remember people don't know he's obviously he's a great guy behind um, at the plate. You know, he he rakes, hits his home runs. But his freshman year, he only played because he was able to kind of shoulder the staff and was like a defensive guy. He hit like 220, I think. But behind the plate, he was solid, threw guys out. I remember there was a play at the World Series the, the year we didn't win, but the guy popped a bun up. He dove for it and then threw a guy out at first. Like just those kind of plays, I think, are, are really big. And then, Nick Madrigal, obviously, that guy is so sure-handed. Um, there was a big emphasis on defense, I remember, from from Pat Casey, our head coach. So I think that resonated as well. Did you make any big plays that year? Uh, I made some solid ones, some plays at the wall. We had a really cozy outfield fence. There was a chain link fence behind it, and it was fully padded. So it was one of those where you could run full speed into it and and not really get banged up. So I got a couple plays out there, but nothing that big. Was there anything resembling the catch that you made on Jose Iglesias on June 15th? No, no, definitely not. I've definitely never made something like that before. That was uh, that was a very unique catch. All right. So let's walk us through that one. That's a diving catch in left field. Terry Francona says uh, after the game that you had a zero percent chance of catching it. You caught it. Um, And he says you basically willed yourself to catch it. Uh, We'll include the link to the play in the show notes. Uh, Just tell us about that play. Yeah, no, uh, it was it was actually really interesting. So with our kind of with our shift, uh, we have Iglesias kind of 
hitting the ball oppo. So I think I had like four or five steps to the left of the second base bag. I had the pitch come in my head uh, in my headset. So I got to hear that a slider was coming. So usually they recommend like if it's an off speed, maybe take one step. Um, I took my one step and then I saw it kind of wrap around it and then just try to make a play on it, extend the arm. And then luckily, luckily I made the catch. <laughs> it was a really nice one. Uh, what's course like to play defense in? It's difficult. I think a lot of people talk about how the ball carries and you're kind of like, okay, well, let's see how much it really carries. Like how much of that is narrative, how much is that is real. And in BP the first day, it was very evident. The ball flies very, very far, um, a lot more than you had to. So we were already playing kind of deeper in the field to start just getting eyes acclimated during BP was super important, but yeah, it was definitely very conscious of the ball sales out there. What's it like playing left field uh, in some of the other American league parks? You got a, a few out there, but before we get to Cleveland, I wanted to ask you about just, uh, were there any others that I mean, there, there's an obvious one or two uh, that yeah. stand out? Um, what has that been like? Yeah. So Fenway is definitely the one that jumps out to me. It was kind of, it was interesting kind of tackling it the first day. I had some, uh, some people recommending like on the hard line drives, you want to be able to catch it before it hits the ground just so you can kind of have a chance to uh, throw them out at uh, second. So that was kind of tough because usually, you know, off the wall, you want to let it bounce and then go. But I was kind of in between a lot of balls kind of playing balls a little too aggressively and I got burned on them the first day. So then went back to BP the next day, was able to kind of test the hops, um, kind of see the angles of the monster that made it a little better, but it's daunting just looking behind you and you're not that far from the wall and you're really close to the infield. So it, it makes it, it makes it easy to keep it contained, but when you want to make the extra play at second, I think it takes another layer of uh, efficiency. Is there any other park that you've played in that's particularly big that you've been kind of like, I mean, like a Oakland or, or anything like that? I think Baltimore sticks out with me. They just okay. extended those fences out there. And, and luckily there weren't too many balls that, that went out there, but that made me feel like I was on an Island, like the complete opposite of Fenway where I turn around and it's like, wow, there's a still a lot of track behind me. That's that's, I feel like I'm on a, a abandoned <laughs> Island out there. So that was definitely a, a cool one to kind of play around with. Again, got lucky that I didn't get tested out there too much, but Baltimore sticks out with me. What's uh, Cleveland like to play left field in with the high fence? Yeah. Cleveland's pretty cool. It's very unique. Uh, I will say that kind of, in the corner, they have that tall wall um, and the angles play really interestingly, like along the line, it'll shoot straight towards the line. And as it goes more towards uh, left center, it'll shoot towards the, the warning track. So just kind of having to measure where that ball is going to hit and then playing it off there. It doesn't bounce as far as as I would have thought. And then in straight left field, they have the chain link fence that basically just completely kills balls. So it's uh, it's kind of just judging where you think it's going to hit and then just trying to minimize. But uh it's pretty it's been pretty tame so far i would say there's luckily not too many like uh opportunities for it to shoot off and get too crazy and obviously i got miles strong center field who backs up literally everything so that's always a nice kind of safety window to have but yeah cleveland's cleveland's a fun place to play how uh, how has it been playing with him what do you have to do to like adjust to his aggressiveness i mean it's nice because balls in the gap he'll he'll usually get to so it helps a ton it's been cool kind of watching him work his his the way he goes through the game uh, in like prep and then how he actually plays in the game is, is very different, but it's been, I mean, the guy's fearless. First of all, he takes the most efficient routes. He's been a absolute treat to watch out there. Now you've played center and right too. The statistics, not necessarily as good out there. Uh, mm -hmm. What has that experience been like? Yeah. Right field's been definitely a little new because I played left field in college. Um, so I was a little familiar there. It's, it's been good. Center field has been definitely is more my, my most familiar, but uh I don't know if it's just me just not being familiar with the fields, but the center field, the, the fields just feel a little bigger, a um, lot more room to work with. So I think uh, if my route's a little more efficient, it gets uh, exposed a little more. So 
I think it's just if I can get some more reps out there, I feel more comfortable. But uh, it's been, yeah, left field's definitely been most comfortable. Have you had a welcome to the major leagues defensive moment yet? I had a cool one in Kansas City for my debut. It was just kind of like a really short line drive from Whit Merrifield. I think it might have been the second game. But that was kind of like the first one where I let my instincts kind of take over, made the diving play, and then I was roared for it. So I think having that happen in my debut was kind of like an affirmation, like, okay, like you can trust your instincts. They're correct. You don't have to overthink these things. Just see ball and go get it. I've seen that you've uh, you've nailed Whit Merrifield a couple of times yeah. uh, this season. Um, what is your prep like? Like, So I'm curious what your, uh, what your process for prepping is like. But just taking BP super, super seriously. Um, that's the best time to get those kind of reps. Uh, we do a little like kind of warm up before the game, just kind of see how the grass is. But BP is definitely like the most valuable kind of just evidence I can get for the the game. So I take my rounds there. My first round, we have a lot of varieties who kind of launch the ball. So it gives me a chance to really like see some line drives and then balls off the wall. And then just communicating with uh, Huddy, our outfield coach, is extremely important as well. So we got a good little crew behind us. You mentioned the outfield coach. Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, which coaches have been influential to you uh, in your ascent into the major leagues? Yeah, so JT McGuire, I would say, is it was the first one. He's an outfield coordinator, and he I came up with him. He was kind of new, and I got drafted, so we kind of got to rise together. But he had a ton of drills that were super unique, um, using like a tennis racket and like little mini golf balls with with no glove, uh, making sure you get really under it and like, you know, you're not cheating and using the glove as a, as a handicap. He was really helpful to me. And then obviously in the big leagues, Kyle Hudson, he's, he's unbelievable. He like, make sure we get our work in, we have really good conversations, but then oftentimes he'll let me go and just let me play as well. And he's obviously, and also like just confidence wise, he'll tell me, you know, I'm the, I'm the man I'm out there to make the plays, you know, as you know, macho as that is, that always feels really good to hear. So he's been really helpful. Two other defense questions. Um, one is um, the cards that they give you without giving away too much, but how do you use them when you play? Yeah, I, so I usually, we get them before the game and we kind of just go through uh, like who's in the lineup and kind of just a rough estimate of how like we're going to play them. But again, Huddy does a great job. He'll be kind of signaling from the dugout, a little like left over here, right over here, back. And then as the game goes on, you kind of memorize where they want to play. And then if the situation changes, he'll get our attention and then, uh, move over but also me having the pitch calm I think is really useful for like if we're set up away on a guy for a fastball and then we have a really slow curveball guy like Savali or something then uh, I'll take two steps or maybe even three steps but you know if a guy's got kind of a banger slider I'll just only take one step so it's just kind of having those little adjustments throughout the game and you're five foot nine which is an inspiration to people that are of that size and smaller mm -hmm. certainly um, how does your height factor into how you play in the field I don't know if it factors too much into it. I think if anything, I just know I'm not gonna be able to rob a home run. So I, I should probably back off and probably play it off the wall, but I don't think it plays too much of a, a factor. Maybe mentally, like I know that I'm undersized. So, you know, I got to do the little things correctly, um, play the defense. I'm not gonna hit the ball out of the ballpark so I can impact the game in different ways. So yeah, like defense base running, I take that extremely seriously. Stephen Kwan, a left fielder uh, for the Cleveland Guardians, uh, the leader in defensive runs saved at that position this season by a wide margin. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. The top three left fielders in defensive runs saved this season are Stephen Kwan, Sam Hilliard of the Rockies, and Ian Happ of the Cubs. You can find all the defensive stats that we reference here at fieldingbible.com.
We're joined by Dr. Justine Siegel. Justine is a baseball pioneer, the first woman to be a coach on a men's pro baseball team, the first to throw batting practice, and the first to coach for a major league team. You may have remembered that we talked to Veronica Alvarez and Rachel Belkovic. Uh, Justine and Veronica have both coached for the Oakland A's. She's also the founder of Baseball for All, and she's the baseball coordinator for A League of Their Own, a show sharing the name of the movie. The show debuts on Amazon Prime on August 12th. Justine, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, everything kind of comes full circle here. And I know that you just have the baseball for all nationals, uh, more than 400 players ages 6 to 16 from all over the country and international too. Uh, I saw the photos. They look very cool. What was that like? Oh, it's always beautiful to see the girls smiling. Uh, so many of our girls are the only ones in their league or on their team. So they're the girl. <laughs> Who's the girl on the team? Uh, but when they come to baseball for all nationals, they're just players, you know, just surrounded by other girls who love baseball, just like they do. What was the baseball uh, like, the, the, the playing experience? Oh, it, it's it's hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as it would be, you have to imagine many of these girls are actually the best in their teams uh, because you often have to be the best to keep playing due to, you know, just sort of general discrimination that happens within baseball. Uh, so they just love it and the passion, whether they're, you know, sliding into home or, you know, diving for a play, they've, they've got it all. So I say full circle because of the show, A League of Their Own, which coincides with the 30th anniversary of the movie, though the show and the movie are essentially somewhat different entities. Um, I know that when there are baseball shows and baseball movies that they hire someone to teach the actors and actresses how to be authentic as a baseball player. And I'm curious what your role was and what goes into that. Uh, my role was a little bit of everything, but primarily I trained the actors. Um, I helped, you know, the director and the writers kind of uh, answer any questions they might have. So whether that's, um, you know, what it might look like to slide into third or whether, you know, where might be the best angle to kind of catch a pitcher. Um, so, you know, it was awesome to be able to use my baseball knowledge in a new way and, you know, helping athletes achieve their goals it's it's very similar with actors you know you get to help them with what they want to do so it's it's always uh, you know privilege to be with them was there any sort of training camp or in order to get the, the actresses ready yeah we had a one-week training camp before the pilot and then another two weeks uh before the season so um you know and we had some training individual trainings before the pilot so we definitely worked on the game and you can see that uh, the actors know how to play who were the uh, who were the actors who were kind of the most athletic and the most skilled? Oh, well, I won't say who's the most athletic, um, <laughs> uh, but Abby Jacobson and Darcy Carden, um, you know, they both had some softball experience. Uh, Roberta is, um, I will say, she's an ath an athlete, grew up skateboarding, climbing trees, that kind of thing, but having never played formally the game. What was so? What was the toughest thing to teach? Throwing is always hard. Um, you know, just getting the right mechanics. So if you're a beginner, getting that getting that feeling, especially if you're pitching, everyone picked it up pretty quickly and we played to everybody's strengths. Um, Kelly, who um, plays shortstop for the Peaches, you know, she actually played in a women's league in Canada. So she wanted to do double plays, you know, so you had to really meet everyone where they were. Did you teach catchers how to frame pitches? Uh, it's different. It's different. They didn't frame in the same way because uh, 
the catcher's mitt is different. So actually you'll see that um, there's the catcher mitt and the hand is sort of right behind and right next to that mitt because what was most important is that you caught it. Um, that was first uh, rather than framing. So, so that gets to an interesting point, uh, because the, the movie and the show are set during World War II instead of 2022 I mean, for, for men's baseball. It's, you know, it's a, it's a different game. Um, was there anything different in the way of teaching besides that uh, that was authentic to the World War II era rather than 2022? Well, I mean, think today about pitching. You're talking about front foot strike you know, versus in 1943, it was about throwing, you know, there was, it's actually pitching was much more beautiful, I think, back then, because everyone could kind of have their own style. And it may not have been as efficient, but it, I think it was a bit more beautiful. And so you'll see our pitchers in the show have, have, have their own way of pitching. It's not just, you know, lead with hip, move, go. So um, it, it's a lot of fun. So is is that like bigger leg kicks, like one Marichal kind of leg kicks, like yeah, yeah. exactly. You could have wind ups. You can you know big wind ups, do some satchel page type stuff, um, and you know big knee kicks and things like that. Not to give anything away from the movie for those that haven't seen it in the thirty years that it's been out, but there's a home plate collision uh, that is certainly a, a big part of uh, of the the end of the movie. Uh, were there any home plate collisions in this? And I'm curious how they were to replicate. Yeah, I'm not going to give it all away, but there's definitely <laughs> some collisions and some hard slides. Okay. So if um, that's what you're looking for, you'll see it. So I know that there were um, some women's baseball players that got involved too. I heard an interview with Beth Greenwood from the University of Rochester uh, talking about her experience working on the show. Um, I'm curious, did you get to do any stunts? Um, I did a non-baseball stunt in the scene with Rosie O'Donnell, so you'll have to look for me. Um, I'm, <laughs> you, I'm wearing a men's suit. That, you're not going to say what good. you did? I'm wearing a men's suit. You have to find me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so there's going to be a lot more to the show than baseball, certainly. And I know it's uh, within all the promotion of it, it says that they're going to explore issues of race, sexuality. Um, can you just tell us on the, on the show as a whole and why we should watch it? I think that this show is brilliant because I mean, we all, we all love baseball and we all love the original movie and this, this, the, the TV show goes beyond and we get to really see what it was like for a woman to, to be an athlete, to play baseball back in 1943 and, and, and it wasn't the same for everyone. And um, we, I think we can be grateful for a lot of the freedoms we have today. Yes. And that that brings us back to the role of women in baseball. Uh, this is a big this has been a big year with Rachel Belkovic managing the Yankees Class A affiliate in Tampa. Kelsey Whitmore playing for an independent league uh, team in Staten Island. Um, where are we in baseball, both as far as uh, playing and coaching goes? Sure. Um, well, we've never been in a better place as far as women coaching and pro ball. I, there's, you know, when I was doing it, I was just being in my head against the wall trying to get opportunities. And now there's a very clear path on how a woman can get into baseball operations and, and onto the field, which is fantastic. There's over a dozen women coaching pro, pro ball. As far as playing, there's still more to do. Um, both Beth Greenwood and Kelsey Whitmore played for baseball for all. Um, you know, instead of sort of wondering you know, which woman's going to break into Major League Baseball, we've got to make sure that every 10-year-old girl gets a real chance to keep playing the game that they love, which is baseball. And uh, as for Baseball for All, what's next for your group? 
Uh, we're, we're growing tremendously and uh, we have a new college initiative where we're helping students um, start club teams on campuses. And we ran our first college championship, college club championship, which was the first women's college baseball event in over a hundred years. So we hope to see college be a real opportunity beyond co-ed, you know, college baseball uh, to see women's college baseball as well. Who, who won the, the tournament? Uh, UW. University of Washington. And who did they beat? They beat Occidental. Oh, wow. Division. Okay. So division one against the division three. Well, yeah, it's club sports, but yes, it was the giant versus that, <laughs> no, that, private school with, you know, but, but that that's great. That shows that, that schools at all levels are, are getting involved in this. Uh, so yes, that's, ab- that, absolutely. That, that it's possible to start a team wherever there's a woman who wants to make it happen. Are there other um, colleges that have, um, besides those two, that have really kind of um, been kind of leaders in that regard? Yeah, we just started. So we purposely piloted uh, the event with just three teams last year. And this year we have over a dozen schools who want to join. So we think we can double those numbers every year. I mean, there's just so many women who love baseball. 40% of Major League Baseball fans are women. So why wouldn't they also want to play? And um, is this the primary thing that you're working on now? Uh, this is one of our primary parts, as well as we continue to grow grassroots and help community start girls baseball programs. Gotcha. Um, and how can people like us, um, me, uh, me, the listener, we, the listener, uh, support the cause? Yeah, well, you can go to our website, baseballforall.com. And of course, donations are always welcome and go, go to the kids and growing the sport. Uh, and just check out our Instagram page and you'll fall in love with these girls as you see their stories and how much they love the game. Just just like you, Mark. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I'm Justine Siegel, founder of Baseball for All, the baseball coordinator for A League of Their Own, a show that debuts on Amazon Prime on August 12th. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We're joined by our VP of Baseball, Bobby Scales, former field coordinator, former Major League front office uh, occupant, was in charge of outfield and base, base running instruction. So I think particular particular interest in our talk with Stephen Kwan, what were some of your biggest takeaways from uh, listening to him? Well, Mark, always a pleasure to be on with you. I, this young man is interesting. He's not a physical uh, player. I mean, he's, he's, he's a regular sized guy, five foot nine. Um, but he makes tremendous impact, not just offensively with the things he's able to do with his contact rates and what have you, but also with the glove. Um, he is a very, very good defender, as you mentioned several times throughout the, the interview with him. Uh, far and away the best in left field uh, with defensive run saved, which is our uh, our flagship metric here at SIS. But the, the the how the you know there's always a what involved and that's what a lot of the metrics that we that we um that we generate and we uh, we we uh, analyze tell us but the how is important right and the questions first of all you did that was a fabulous interview because you you led him down some paths and he was able to explain his methodology uh, and a few things that jumped out to me first of all he's been coached very well. And half of being coached very well is presenting a young man with uh, superior information. Uh, but the other half of being coached very well is being able to uh, digest that information, digest the drills and things that they do physically and apply them to your game physically, but also the mental side of it. So he- here's where I want to start. Um, he mentioned his coaches throughout the minor leagues. I'm sure at Oregon State, first his dad and then at Oregon State where, you know, that program speaks for itself. But 
he also mentioned uh, Cal Hudson and uh, JT McGuire. JT McGuire is the, is the, I believe, the outfield base running coordinator there in Cleveland, and Cal Hudson is the big league coach there on that staff responsible for the outfield play in the major leagues with Cleveland. The information, the preparation that those guys that he gave to him, it, it, you know, he talked about some different drills, uh, the the a tennis racket drill, which one that I was a huge fan of, uh, using a tennis ball in a tennis in a tennis racket and catching different balls, different trajectories, things of that nature. There, the, some of those drills, if done properly, teach skills where you don't where the instructor doesn't have to say anything. So, you know, kudos to those guys for doing that. But then once he, you know, got to the big leagues or even before then, uh, the 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 preparation he talked about understanding. You asked him questions about the different ballparks and how Fenway plays versus Colorado and how Baltimore plays at Camden Yards as, a, you know, as opposed to other ballparks and the different sizes. Every time you step in a new ballpark, it is not your home park ballpark. It is absolutely vital that as quickly as possible on the first day in, you understand all the angles and the nooks and crannies. How, how live is the wall? How dead is the wall? Does this portion of the wall have pads? Is this portion of the wall have chain links? If the ball goes in the corner on the fly, how is it going to come out? If it rolls in there, how is it going to come out? It is very clear that a young man who has, in his first year in the big leagues, has done a ton of work in these new ballparks that he's playing uh, he's playing in on a nightly basis. And, and it really starts with the, 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 the field staff, uh, his coaches saying, Hey, listen, we got to get out there. We got to get some balls off this wall. We have to understand the angles. And then, and then it comes up to him, uh, come down to him in terms of being able to apply that in game. The second piece of that is the importance he placed on taking balls off the bat in batting practice. It's one thing for a coach to stand at home plate or off to the side and hit fly balls in the air uh, to a, to a particular infielder or outfielder for that matter. Nothing, especially in the outfield, nothing replaces the balls you're going to get off the bat in a batting practice session. Nothing. It is the best practice that an outfielder can get. It's not close. Hands down, it's the best. Because it, it, it's, you know, you have, you know, you, you can see the ball flight in to the hitter. You can see contact. You can see the trajectory in which it's coming off. You can get a read. And 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 you do that enough, and you do that with intensity during batting practice, and you get the pitchers out of the way when they're shagging, and you can get some really, really good, impactful work in. And and when he talked about that, that really jumped, you know, jumped off the page to me. What did you think of his comment about center field? He's played 29 innings in center field. It's yeah, what, like three, four so, games. And he said, oh, it's it's so much bigger than it was in the minor leagues. Well, it's yeah, it's 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 um, I don't exactly know what he was saying, what he meant by bigger. If it's 400 to center field and 375 in the gaps in in Akron or in uh, Columbus, then it's the same in uh, insert name of park here. But I will say this one thing I will say he played is the district. And I look back at this is the distribution of games he played in center field in college and throughout the minor leagues. Right. All too often, you see young players get to the big leagues and they're they're asked to play a position on a field that they either have very limited experience in or have never played before all the way through their uh, amateur and, and early pro ball experience. What the best thing I saw in his distribution of of games throughout the minor leagues is that at every level he got some uh, a, a fair amount of exposure in center field. So. Was playing center field in the big leagues new to him? Of course it was because he hadn't done it in the big leagues before, but it wasn't foreign to him at any level. And and like I said, I had a personal experience with that in L.A. We were chasing down the stretch in 2015 and we had to bring a young man up that had played nothing but shortstop and second base in center field his entire career. 
And then all of a sudden we're in Texas and we're, it's like August and we call this young man up and his first time he'd ever played third base in his life was in uh, the ballpark in Arlington against the Texas Rangers when we were in second place by a game. That's not fair to the player. And it's ultimately not fair to your team. And we put him in that situation. So I want to give uh, a big shout out to uh, Cleveland's player development staff with having enough foresight to make sure that those guys get innings at multiple locations. And yes, playing a new position at the major league level, there's always a, a learning curve. Look, playing your favorite position at the major league level, there's a learning curve. But imagine seeing the ball come off the bat uh, at a different angle uh, for the first time in your career in the big leagues. But um, he had done that in the minor league, so he was on some level prepared. And now it's just the, the the learning curve of doing it with the third deck, with lights at that level, uh, and with uh, grown big league men hitting balls uh, that hard at you. That that was um, that's the adjustment. But he was ready for it because of the preparation he had done previously. Let me ask you this: uh, If he had gone into Wrigley this year, what uh, what advice would you have given him? There's a brick wall behind the ivy. <laughs> And it's and it's and it, it does and it hurts. I I fortunately uh, I had one incident in left field where it was Matt Holiday was hitting and Matt Holiday could hit a ball as hard as anybody and he hit an absolute knuckleball. And my first my first step I froze on it and you'll see a lot of times you'll see a, a, an outfielder freeze when that ball's right at them and they'll kind of squat to kind of get a, a a better angle on it. And I the second I I squatted down, it's like oh I got I got to get back. So long story short. I was able to recover, made a nice leaping catch, and I had about a step and a half to just kind of kind of brace. But I've also seen uh, one night in Wrigley, we were playing, I think it was San Francisco, and Sam Fold went wide open into that fence, right, into the ivy, I, wide open, like at 100 miles an hour. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I picked up the ball, and I threw it in, and I picked up Sam, and I looked at him. I said, you okay? He goes, I don't know. But, but no, it, it, all the ballparks are different. And you do have to do extensive work uh, when you get to a new ballpark on how many steps do I have to the wall? Like I, I used to call it get up, understanding your angles, understanding your numbers, right? So a 45 degree drop from your normal starting position, your 45 degree drop from your uh, over each shoulder. So right and left, regardless of what hand you are, and then your, your numbers straight back. And that's number of running steps to the fence, right? So if I'm playing, I don't know, left field and let's say Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh left center field in Pittsburgh is massive, right? It's going to be, uh, a, I don't know, 20, 20 plus steps from dead left center field to uh, the, 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 the wall in left center. And it might be 17 or 18 to over your, over the outfielder's right shoulder to the wall uh, in dead left field. So, you know, you have to understand exactly where you are in a baseball field. There's no reason for you not to know um, because you have time, to 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 learn these things and see these things for yourself in batting practice this the, on day one uh, when you get there and I'll tell you what guys who have played in in, in the AL East for a long time uh, they're getting used to it again in Baltimore because of the the changes that have been made to that ballpark so you uh, can't take it for granted uh, you always have to be aware of what's going on and that just takes uh, work and preparation. So we spent the entire time with Stephen Kwan talking about defense. Uh, we, uh, you and I, were among those uh, in a session yesterday put on by the baseball, the Sports Info Solutions video scouts, mm -hmm. uh, in which hitting was taught. And I think that Stephen Kwan probably would have been an, a good example to have cited in a number of areas. What do you make of his offensive numbers so far this season? Well, they're tremendous. 
Um, it, it, what sticks out is his contact rate. I mean, it is, it is, this is the major leagues and guys are throwing harder than they ever did before in the history of the game. Breaking stuff is nastier, more breaking stuff than we've ever seen. I mean, you have several teams that are throwing more breaking balls and fastballs, which is 10 years ago was unheard of. Five years ago, it was rare. And his ability to, to put the ball in play, uh, constantly, uh, and do so with, with not, he's not, he's not playing patty cake. I mean, he's, he's hitting the ball hard is is elite and it's what's going to keep him in the game uh for a long time to come because it, it, it here's here's what i'm saying there's going to be days where he gets his hits there's going to be days where he doesn't but one one question i always used to ask and i used always used to say does this player's b day have value to our team does his b day give us a chance to help us win and when you're a player offensively if you just punch out a lot and you may hit a homer or you may hit a double, but you strike out a ton and you don't work counts and you don't make pitchers work, regardless of whether it's a starter or a bullpen arm, if you have an off day, he can go 0 for 4, and I guarantee you he's going to be in deep count. He's not going to punch out, and he's going to put some balls and play hard that's going to put pressure on the defense. That's a B offensive day, and that day has value. Because it helps the lineup, uh, more pitches seen. Uh, it might wear a pitcher out. A pitcher may get frustrated and make a mistake. Not just to him, to the batter behind him. We know the defense is elite, so we always gonna he's always gonna bring his glove with him to the game. And offensively, if he has a day where he doesn't get a hit or he doesn't hit a double or he doesn't find a way to work himself on base, he goes over four, doesn't get on base. Chances are he's not gonna punch out. He's gonna put the ball in play and force the defense to make a play to get him out. That's a B day that has value in your lineup. And so I, I, that's, that's a tremendous, that's a tremendous asset to have in your lineup on an everyday basis. We've had a number of uh, the top rookies in the American league on our podcast this year, him and Jeremy Pena, and also a rising star in the minor leagues, the number one prospect, according to baseball America, Gunnar Henderson, please listen to those episodes as well. Um, Justine Siegel was our other guest. Uh, You've had an encounter or two with her uh, and seen her speak Um, just your take on, on her and uh, the work that she's done in baseball. Oh, Justine's tremendous. Um, she's a person that would not be denied in helping women become more prominent in baseball in all areas, not just in the front office, not just in it in administrative, but in scouting, uh, in player development. She's done a, no- a lot of work with a number of teams uh, in 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 those areas, but also her work uh, as a ambassador for uh, women in baseball. Oftentimes, women are just uh, I won't say relegated, but it's almost expected that they're going to be involved in softball and playing softball. Well, she, Justine loves baseball, and she wants other young girls and women to love baseball with her and to work in baseball and to uh, and to play baseball and to teach the game. So uh, she's been a, a, a unbelievable ambassador uh, for baseball, uh, you know, um, amongst women. And, and I'm glad to see her efforts uh, paying off. Because uh, as we, you know, Mark, we we are involved with the diversity and equity and inclusion committee uh, within Sports Info Solutions, and uh, our strength is in our diversity, uh, different backgrounds, different mindsets, different ways of thinking about things, different ways of teaching. Uh, it only enhances the product that we put out, and it only enhances our game uh, at a, at a at a more global level. So 
uh, kudos to Justine, uh, Justine, and and she's tremendous, and and I and I uh, hope that she continues her uh, quest to make sure that there's access for um for all for everyone who wants to play the game of baseball and finding creative ways to do it too, especially by teaching uh, actresses to play baseball in a league of their own, uh, which will premiere on Amazon. To close, just quickly, league of their own, the movie, uh, the play at the plate at the very end of the movie, uh, controversial. I just googled it, and there's a whole thing about whether or not the ball was dropped on purpose your take no chance big sisters never letting <laughs> little sister win like, who are we kidding <laughs> i don't listen i'm my only child but look here's the deal like i've got enough friends who are you know big brothers little brothers there's no chance it there's no chance there's no chance that competitive people are not taking that opportunity so if that ball came out it's because it was not genuinely knocked out she didn't put that thing on the ground on purpose nice spoiler alert for those that have never sorry. seen the movie in 30 yeah, years sorry just hit <laughs> yeah just hit just hit pause and then watch the movie and then yep. and then you know listen to my comments figure it out yourself all right that's right uh, bobby scales thanks for joining us Always a pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at SIS underscore baseball. You can read our articles at sportsinfosolutions.com. And you can email me at Mark, M-A-R-K, at sportsinfosolutions.com. For Stephen Kwan, Dr. Justine Siegel, and Bobby Scales, I'm Mark Simon. Thank you for listening to the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast.